So let's turn in our Bibles, please, uh, if you would, to the book of Luke. To the book of Luke. Hallelujah. Now, of course, I didn't know what she was going to share. But this is yet another confirmation to me about what I'm preaching today. Because she doesn't know what I'm preaching. She asked me last night, tell me what you're preaching, or this morning. I said, I'm not telling you nothing. I said, you need to get it like everybody else. She said, but I'm your wife. I said, I know. But this is the only power and joy I have in life, is to withhold things. It's very few things I get to enjoy. Praise God. But uh, so I, she didn't know nothing. She, the, but the, I'm, one, I'm, teach, I'm showing you how the Holy Ghost operates. Because when, uh, when people don't know in their mind, but they listen to their spirits, you can pick things up and know things by the spirit that there's be no way for you to know. Praise God. And that really is, is like a word of wisdom. It actually is a word of wisdom, but it's, you know, word of wisdom tells the future. The Holy, you don't even realize, Jenny, that that's a word of wisdom, but that's what I'm preaching about today, which you don't even know. Praise God. So uh, the member of the Lord said there's a, there's a spotlight on some things in this season. And he said, he said to me about a month ago, he said, I want you to do four sermons and it's going to be like a spotlight in the spirit. There's a spotlight on every one of these four sermons. And he gave me four titles. And he said, it's, these are very important. These are very important because they're, they're overlapping into next year. They're overlapping into the next season of our church. So he said, tell the people to pay a special attention. Not that you wouldn't pay attention otherwise, but especially last week, this week, next week, and the week after, especially pay attention. When I say that, take the hint and take the clue, it probably means you should listen to last week's sermon again. If you wouldn't normally do that, but the Holy Ghost says, I'm putting a spotlight on something, a good student, when the professor says, pay attention to this, a good student listens and goes, you know what, I probably should go back and study that a little bit more because it might be on the exam. I'm telling you, there's an emphasis. The Holy Ghost says the professor is saying, pay attention to this. And so when you pay attention, you need to listen again. So Pastor Nancy and I preached together last week and uh, we had a tag team. She was, in, she was uh, in the past tense in Fredonia, and I was present tense here in Mississauga, uh, in New York, but uh, she was in Fredonia. But we did a tag team, and the, I want to remind you, because a lot was said in that hour, but I want to remind you of the three main simple things to keep it nice and simple so you can remember. Number one is that you need, Father, we thank you for the anointing this morning. I thank you the people's hearts are prepped and ready. I thank you for the prayer that has gone before the service to make a way and make a place in the spirit, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the seed, the incorruptible, holy, precious seed of the word of God goes into good ground and it bears good fruit today. I thank you that worship has opened up our hearts and the presence of God has come. And Lord, that offer has in some ways been a prophecy about what is going to be discussed. So Lord, I thank you that they're prime, prepped and ready in Jesus' name. I thank you for the anointing that we yield to, to deliver the word I do. And I thank you that they receive it, Father. And they don't just, they don't just listen, but they hear. They hear with the ears of their hearts today. And those that are listening by way of live stream, Father, I thank you that they will feel connected and divinely a part of the service. That just because they're not in person does not mean that they're not important and does not mean that they're second best and does not mean that they're not going to get something. They're going to get as much as we do, Father, because you know that they couldn't be here. You know that they have limitations on us by our government, and we're abiding by those as best we can. But Lord, I thank you that even though they're at home, that they're getting it in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. Now, the three things, the three, I'm not really, this is not the, the message. I just want to remind you so you can see what the, how the Holy Ghost is leading. Number, we called it last week, we fight for the plan. And, uh, and so the first thing is the Lord was, uh, the Lord was saying through Pastor Nancy and myself that uh, the main point there, and there was lots of sub-points under it, which I'm not going to go over, but you can listen last week if you need to hear it again, is that you need a higher anointing than your own to fulfill the plan of God in your life. It's not just you and Jesus. That's, that's a tremendous revelation that most people in the body of Christ don't understand. You need somebody, you need a higher anointing, you need somebody over you, you need somebody that God uses to speak to you and rescue, he'll speak directly to you. But pay attention who God uses to rescue you, pay attention where it feels like home, pay attention. You gotta understand that. If we're gonna go where we're gonna go as a church, this has gotta be foundational in your heart. I fight for the plan of God. I fight for my relationship with promise of life. I fight for my relationship with Pastor Craig. I'm not gonna let the enemy separate me. Point number two was it's your job to protect that relationship, not mine. It was Elisha's job to, to, to say, no, Elijah, you told me to stay, I'm coming. Yes, sir. When he threw the, the thing on him, when he was plowing with the yoke of oxen, the Bible says Elijah just kept walking. Yeah. It was Elisha's job to say, hold on a second. What's going on? What have I to do with thee, Elijah said. Yeah. And he said, just wait a second. I'm going to go say goodbye to mama and papa. Yeah. And I'm going to go and, and do an offering to the Lord and then I'll come. But did you notice there was never a coddling? No. Yeah. There was not a coddling. Yeah. And this is what our society has conditioned us to believe that we need. Yeah. You've got to be coddled. No, you don't. No. Coddled people are weak people. Coddled people quit when the heat comes on. If you're a parent and you always coddle the children, they'll grow up stunted. They'll grow up thinking that society owes them something. And they're going to get a rude awakening because society don't owe them nothing. And if you keep letting the government coddle you, you know what I'm saying? You'll grow up stunted thinking that I, I got to have that welfare check. I've got to have this because I can't do it on my own. And then an entitlement comes. Coddling brings entitlement. No, no, God doesn't, God loves us, but he doesn't coddle us. He expects us to grow up. He expects us to grow up. Amen. And it's your job to protect the relationship. You, you let's, <laughs> I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying, if you get separated, if you, if you get out of the plan, you'll stand before everybody, all the hundreds and more, far more people have left the church ever than is ever that are here right now. <laughs> hundreds of people have left over 13 years. Hundreds uh, of people. Now, if that's where God called them, now not all of them were called here. But if the ones that were called here that got separated, like that one when Jesus opened her eyes and walked down that center aisle, stood beside that old lady who was a prayer and said, are you happy and pleased with the church I've given you? She said, yes, I am. And he said, this church will be used in the end days. Are you happy with the pastor I've given you? Yes, I am. And he walked on back, open vision, saw Jesus in bodily form. Within six months, got offended and left. Now that lady's going to stand and give an account when she sees Jesus. She will. People that get separated will give an account. And you can blame me, but ain't going to fly in heaven. But they talked to me, but they, he was rough in the sermon. Somebody offended me in the hallway. Somebody said I was fat. Somebody said I was bald. Somebody said, I, I don't like the color of your skin. Somebody snubbed me. None of that's going to count. That's right. that's right. He's not going to say, oh, well, okay, I understand. Yeah, right. None of that counts. Yeah, no. None of that counts. That's right. You have to protect the relationship. Yes. Yes. 
If I get separated from Pastor Nancy, it's not her. She's not going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. I'm responsible to keep my relationship with her. And she's not responsible to run after me. I'm responsible to keep close to her. But this, is a, this goes cross threads with society and the way that, 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 that we've often been raised. Especially in church, you know, churchianity kind of thing. Denominationalism. It teaches you that the pastor's job is to placate you and stroke you and love you. And if you don't like it, you can vote him out. Not in this church. We don't go with that nonsense. God appoints, not people. <laughs> Do you understand? That's why it's safe. So number one, you need that higher anointing. If you've got to fight for the plan, you've got to understand, I need somebody other than myself. Number two, you got to, you got your job to stay close, your job to protect it, your job to cover it. It's your job. That's part of fighting for it is that you protect. And number three is you need that impartation. That pastor's anointing gathers and strengthens. Some people can't even find the path. But that anointing, if you just come under it, you'll find the path where God wants you to walk. And you'll be strong to finish that path because it gathers and strengthens. Scattered people, weak people don't finish the race. Scattered people don't even know where the race is. No, I'm serious. If you come under that anointing because we're fighting for this connection, we're fighting for this plan that God has, not just for your business and what he wants you to do, but for the plan in the kingdom. It's not just your job. It's the kingdom and your role in that kingdom. God likes education and he's pleased when people are smart and when they're successful and they have big wig jobs and they're highfalutin. He don't mind that. But that is not what it's about or your PhDs or your lack thereof. What it's about is his kingdom. That's why, this, that's why the local church, everything connects to it. Because it doesn't matter whether you're a truck diver, a janitor, or a, or a neurosurgeon or a teacher, or a high dental hygienist. It doesn't really matter what you do, and don't think you're better than somebody else because you make more money than Because it's not about that. It's about what is God doing in the earth? And what is he using this local church to do in the earth? Because it don't matter as much what he's using Copeland to do, or that church to do, or that church, because he didn't plant you there. He planted you, and Bible says he set us, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, as it pleased him in the body. Not as it pleased us, as it pleased him. He set you here. So what matters to you is what this church and ministry is doing for the kingdom. Because you have a part in this ministry for the kingdom. It's not just about your $250,000 salary, because people, their whole goal is to make money. That's secular. That's, that's, that's carnal. There's nothing wrong with making money. But the whole point of life is not to keep trying to have this ultimate dream. It's what is God doing in the earth? Where has he set me? And what is my role in that setting? Because when I stand, he don't give a rip what I made. He doesn't care about the house. He wants me to have nice things. But he is not going to judge me and give me rewards based on whether I had a 10,000 square foot house or a 1,000 square foot house. God truly doesn't care. He wants you blessed if your faith can take it. But that is not what this is about. You're not going to be given rewards whether you drive a Bentley or a Toyota. He doesn't care. I remember that uh, Sigmund, that man... Richard Sigmund, he had said in one of his things that people over there, you know, are here, people are so concerned about this and stuff. Up there, they don't have any concern. What, they don't care whatsoever about what kind of job you have. 
about what kind of house you live in, about what kind of car you drive. And he said that all they're interested in is in the plan of God. Amen. They're looking, the cloud of witnesses is not looking to see if you're promoted at your job. They're looking to see, is the plan of God being fulfilled? Is the glory of God coming to the earth? Are they stepping into the plan of God? Are they in the local church? Because God is doing in the New Testament, in the end days, he's working through local churches primarily. Strong local churches, like Kenneth Hagin, the forerunner said. That's what heaven is interested in. Now, he wants you to have blessings, but it's not really about that. It's about what is he doing? Where are you set in that plan, which is a church? And what are your, what's your role? Have you found your place? So in light of that, Reverend Greg, we've got to fight for that. We've got to fight for that. I got to fight. I need somebody above me. I've got to protect that relationship because I need that impartation. And I spent some time talking about the laying on of hands and why that's important. And impartation, what God's been talking about impartation. And then we ministered one-on-one to all the ministers. And that took a little bit longer than I planned, but the Holy Ghost got to moving and words of prophecy started to happen. In fact, I think almost every one of them, a word of prophecy came forth. And that was an ordination service. And that was a very holy thing and a very important thing. And that just was planned for last week, but it kind of dovetailed nicely because impartation from that office, well, that's what ordination is all about, impartation. So it worked nicely, but I'm trying to say there is an emphasis God is saying is, if, <laughs> why did he put it in this order, Jenny? This is not a, just a, an order that I picked. He said the first sermon is you fight for the plan. And he said, have Pastor Nancy preach it. And you comment on her preaching. Because if they don't get that, if you don't get that base, your living stone will be removed from the wall. The distance, where the drive, the gas prices, you offended with somebody, this happens, that happens, busyness, distraction, offense, all the different reasons will take, will take you away because you don't fight for it. You've got to fight for that relationship. You've got to fight for this church. I don't mean to say it in a prideful way, but there's not as many churches like this as you think there are. There are some, but there's not as many as you might think. That brings in these guest ministers, there's none in Toronto. That preaches this message, there's some, but there's not many. There's not many. Those connected to Pastor Nancy, there's none. None. We're the only one in this city connected to her. Out of six million people, we're the only church that has a divine connection to that Dr. Dufresne, that anointing. With, well, I'm not saying others aren't connected through other ministers, but with Dr. Dufresne and Dad Hagen and Lester Sumrall and Smith Wigglesworth, we're the only one that's through the Dufresne line of heritage. And I can't say certain things because it's not right to say, pastor will say when she's ready. But let me tell you something, pastor's ministry is about to explode. It's about to explode. God's been doing some stuff behind the scenes. And you watch. Uh, promotion is coming for Nancy Dufresne. Yes, and 2022, you will see something completely different in her ministry that you've ever seen before. Amen. And the Lord showed me years ago when I was on the highway, I saw that dump truck. In fact, Peter, I don't know if you have time or if you have it. Can you see if you can get that on the screen? I saw a dump truck and I saw a little mini thing behind it. Ever seen those dump trucks? And then there's like a little carriage behind it. And, and if he has it, he'll put it up on the screen. And that's called a pup truck. I didn't know that. A pup trailer. And, uh, and then there's a hitch, a long hitch that connects the two together. And I asked one of the truck drivers in our church, what's that thing called? And he said, that's called a tongue. That hitch is called the tongue. 
And the Lord said to me, and he said, and Pastor Nancy is the, the driving force, and you are the pup. But you're connected to her divinely. I connected you to her. But you're going to stay connected or get disconnected based on your tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the tongue speaks. So it's connected. What my heart and my words are going to affect what I do and what I don't do and how much I stay connected. And he said to me, when she speeds up, you'll speed up. When she turns, you'll turn. And so he's been talking to me all year about what's coming next year. And it's more. It's more for this ministry. But I haven't seen much happen with Pastor Nancy's ministry. So I questioned him and I said, Lord, you said I'd speed up as she speeds up. But I see speeding up coming, but I don't see much for her. What's going on? He didn't answer me. But oh, just recently, I, I, I came into some information about how God is the, in, the acceleration is happening as we speak. And it's going to be displayed strongly in 2022. And the Lord said, I, I told you that, son. And it always happens exactly as I told you. Uh, just because you couldn't see it because it was a suddenly for her. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't there. And then it was there. It's a suddenly. It's a suddenly. You'll see it in the future. You watch. You'll see it. It will manifest to your eyes. But I know some background story. It was a suddenly. And the Lord said, I told you, as she increases, so you do. As she speeds up, so you do. And that's happening, my brothers and sisters. So as I speed up, I have to stay hitched. I have to stay connected. And I've got to fight for that. I've got to fight, happy. We've got to fight for it. The devil doesn't like those divine tongue hitch connections. He doesn't like that. He wants you offended. He wants you isolated. He wants you separated. He wants you proud. He wants you thinking you can do it all on your own. He wants me thinking, listen, I'm an apostle now. I don't need her. He wants that thought. He wants me to think I don't need anybody anymore. I've reached the, z the zenith, which I haven't and we never do. You see it? That thing at the back is called the pup. The pup trailer just called me Pastor Pup. Go, go to the next one. Is there another one, brother? Or is that the only one? Well, that's got three of them. That's me and, and, and Brother James. That's you at the back. Praise God. You're the little pup. Amen. That's, 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 uh, that's Philippines there. Because we're all connected to each other. Hallelujah. Okay, you can turn that off. Praise God. We don't want our truck driver friends starting to get distracted with their job and now they're going to be planning their next trip and everything. We got to fight for it, my brothers and sisters. We got to fight for it. We got to fight for it. This is something that is holy and you don't play games with holy things. You fight for it. You fight for it. If Esau had fought for it, he didn't fight for it. He was so concerned with what he felt. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I don't feel like cooking. He felt things and he didn't fight for something spiritual and he lost it. And God calls him, and in Hebrews, he calls him vile. God called Esau and his attitude about the birthright vile, not just bad. Vile is worse than bad. Vile is despicably disgusting. When people don't fight for holy things, for precious things, for heritages, that was his heritage. That was his line. And he didn't fight for it. He gave it up for a bowl of food. And people have given up the heritage that God has given us because they want their offense. They're so, they don't like this. They don't like that. And they've given up a precious line. Many over the years have given up precious supernatural divine associations with this mantle because of 
Because of nothing. For, for what? Lentils? Because of your little offense? Because of your little this? Because of your little that? Do you understand? God calls that vile. I've seen people give up Pastor Nancy for nothing. For nothing. One minister that I knew and I liked because she refused to call him prophet. And he wasn't. And she refused to do that. He got offended and left. He gave up a line, a heritage, something precious and holy for lentils, for offense over a title. I just shake my head. I just shake my head. And I say, Lord, and it's not just me that shakes my head. God shakes his head because God says that behavior is vile. You don't, you don't honor precious things. Lines, heritages from the Spirit are precious. They don't, you don't come by them every day. You don't come by them every day. Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm trying to get on my sermon. So we're fighting for this. We're needing a higher anointing, number one. Our job is to protect that relationship, number two. And we need that impartation if we're going to finish our race. Now, we're talking about watching for the plan. Watching, watching. What does that word watching mean? Turn with me, please, to the book of, and i got to go fast because he said four sermons. I said, Lord, you know, if there's bunny trails, it might take me eight weeks to get out the four sermons. And he said, no, you do it in four weeks. So i got to hurry because i got some stuff to tell you. That, thank God there was no announcements. That was just the Holy Ghost helping us today, Jenny. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Can you turn there, please? Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. i got three parts to today's message, and I'm talking about the first part here. The first part is entitled, Picking Things Up in Prayer. If you're going to watch, you're going to have to pray. Not just have somebody else pray, you pray. Just have somebody else pick it up, you pick it up. Picking things up in prayer. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of his, her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They would offer a sacrifice when the first child, the first male child came out. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, which was to circumcise him, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people to light, a light to lighten the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile and I've been lightened and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sword went through her heart so that my heart could be revealed. 
He's prophesying. Oh, praise God. And there was one named Anna, the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was of a great age and lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of now about fourscore and four years. That's 84 years she's been a widow. They normally got married between 14 and 16, the girls. So she was married. Let's say she was 14. She was married. She had seven years of marriage. She's now 21. Okay? Then her husband dies. And for 84 years, she's a widow. So 84 and 21 is what? 100 and, 105? Something like that? This lady was over 100 years old. She was, a, she was an old lady. And for 84 years, she had been a widow seeking God. I want you to, you have to show so respect for people like that. She's not partying, she's seeking God. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. (laughs) And she coming in, in that instant, gave, she was led by the Spirit at that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. We found him. He's here. He's been born. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong and spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Praise God. I just want to say something very, very simple to you. It's not complicated. Anybody, a child can understand this. But it's very powerful. Anna and Simeon prayed. And they knew what God was doing in their season because they prayed. People that pray will know what God's doing in his house and in, his se- in the season that we're in. They picked it up. It was revealed to them, to them, by, not by a preacher, by the Holy Ghost, it was revealed to them. And they were led by the Spirit to be at the right place, at the right time, to be right there on that day, and to lay hands and bless him and the mother and father, and to prophesy. Do you understand? The, the, the people that pray pick things up. People that don't pray as much are more dull. Uh, there, there's an epidemic of people that are not praying because they're busy. They're distracted. They're discouraged. They got a lot on their plate. But all of that's going to burn away and you're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for what you did for the kingdom. And I don't want you to weep on that day saying, I wish I hadn't been on Facebook as much. I wish I hadn't have been out partying with my friends as much. I wish I hadn't been obsessed with shopping as much. None of those things are wrong in its place, but they're wrong when they take you away from seeking God. And you won't find this kind of preaching in in big secret sensitive churches because nobody wants to be told to seek God. What they want to be told is everything's okay and coddled. But that's not how we're going to get revival. We're not going to get revival by by doing what we normally do. We're going to have to get revival by by watching. Let me tell you this, certain things can be said by the preacher, by me, by others. But if you don't pick certain things up in your own spirit because of your own prayer life, what, what I say will come, and by the help of the anointing, it will land right, but there's only a measure. There's, it only lands to a measure because if you're going to fully get it, you've got to be a person that's picking it up in your own spirit. Do you understand? You've got to be picking it up in your own heart. 
It's not just the preaching, although that is a very big part of it, but there's got to be something because of your prayer life where you're going, God, I'm sensing something. Lord, I'm I'm sensing something that you're doing here and God will start to show you and you'll start to know what God is doing in this season and in this hour like Anna and Simeon knew what God was doing in their season and their hour and they were led by the Spirit to be the right place at the right time and you can have the same. They were Old Testament saints without the Holy Ghost in them, with the Holy Ghost on them and you've got the Holy Ghost in you and you're better. The least in the New Testament is greater than the greatest prophet. Jesus said, which was John the Baptist. That means when we've got the Holy Ghost in us, not just on us, we are powerful beings and we don't even realize sometimes how powerful we are because God is in you. Angels don't even understand it. Angels look into the things of salvation and can't figure out how could God be in that? That can't go faster than the speed of light. I can. I can't. We can't travel interdimensionally. They can. Do you understand? But God isn't in them, Joe. He's in you. Our little body's made of dust, but he's in us. And if in, a, and if in a lesser covenant with a lesser anointing and the Holy Ghost on, not in, if they could pray and pick things up, how much more can we pray and pick things up? And the Holy Ghost dealt with me. He said, if, you're gonna, if the people are going to watch, it's assuming that you fought. He's assuming you fought for the plan, that you're connected and you're not going to get separated. Now we've moved on. We've graduated from that concept. Now, once you're set and you're settled and this, you know where God's planted you, where he set you and you're interested in what the kingdom is going to do through you and through this place that he's called you to. If not now, assuming that we're there, I've graduated last week. I'm into a new thought now. Assuming that you're settled. If you don't pray, my preaching won't have full effect. Are you listening to me? Don't just rely on the preaching. You must be a person that seeks God. And then what God is causing you to pick up on your own will be confirmed and added to and reinforced and built upon by the preached word. But you've got to pray so that something is happening and something's bubbling inside you. And the problem, Jenny, is we preach and it lands as much as it can. But because they're carnal and they won't pray, it's just that word. But they need something under the ground. They need something under the ground. Uh, if you look at the flood of Noah, the heavens were opened, and, the, and, the, and the, not just the rain, but the water came down. But if you read it, the Bible says, and God opened up the foundations of the deep, and water came up. Water came up out of the soil, and water came down by the rain. That's a type and shadow. The preached word is the water coming down. It comes into you from the outside. But something in your spirit has to come up. Water has to come up. So we just, we got dry ground and we're just letting the preachers preach. And that will help and it's a measure. It's a part. It's a part of the equation, but it's not the only part. You've got to pray so that what's in your spirit will come up and meet the words of the preacher coming down. And then there's water up and there's water down. And that's when things break through. But if people don't pray, they don't pray. They're only getting something down on them, but nothing's bubbling up from them. You've got to pray. Are you with me? Let me read you a quote by the Reverend Dr. Bishop Randy Greer. It's possible for God to be moving in your midst and you not even know about it. 
If you want to know what God is doing in the earth, you have to pray and seek Him. He could be doing stuff. That's why, that's Greg, this is why people leave. This is why when they don't fight for it, and we're preaching all this stuff and we're so excited, and so many are getting it. But people can be right in the middle of what God is saying and doing, and boop, they're gone. Just like, like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. You know why? They don't pray. People that pray don't get offended. People that pray don't just need the preacher. They need the preacher, but they know some things. Do you understand? They know some things. It bears witness with them. Because something's been... Something's coming up. Something's coming up. It's easier to preach to people that pray. Because I don't have to convince you the same way because you already know certain things. You may not know how to articulate what you know. You may not know exactly all the details. You don't know the necessary, the outcropping of the plan. But something in you, something in you is bubbling and boiling and stirring and excited and anticipating. And you know certain things, you don't know all. God will never show you all or you wouldn't, you wouldn't be under authority. You wouldn't need that anointing on an office. But he'll, he'll, at the same time, he's, it's never supposed to be only the anointing on an office. It's never only you and it's never only me. It's you and it's the preacher working together with the Holy Ghost. And when you preach to people that pray, it's easier. It lands different because they're already ready. Otherwise, it's just like it just falls. And thank God, hopefully they'll get it. But they're not praying, so nothing's bubbling. Are you with me? It's so important that you spend time praying. Mary and Joseph knew certain things because of a supernatural visitation. Angel and the dream. He had the dream and she had the angel appear. Supernatural visitations. Divinely granted appearances. They knew certain things because of that. But Anna and Simeon knew certain things because they prayed and they got it directly from the Holy Ghost. And I was praying and the Lord said to me, he said, now this is an example. He said, I want, the, this is what he said to me, I want my body to be a combination between Mary and Joseph and Anna and Simeon. Together. What does he mean? Anna and Simeon got it by the Spirit because they prayed. Mary and Joseph got some things because it was, it was given to them by a divine encounter or by a preacher. The angel preached to Mary. He did. He preached to her. He proclaimed something to her. So a, now this is an angel, not a human, but it doesn't matter. It's the same principle. There was a, somebody else communicated and they got certain revelation, Mary and Joseph. But now they pray and then Simeon and they get it by the Holy Ghost. And God wants both today. He wants you to be the Anna and Simeon that prays and it's bubbling. But he also wants you to be the Mary and Joseph where you have a visitation from God. And who's the visitation from God? The preacher or the pastor. Jesus said, you've missed your time of your visitation. And that word visitation means bishop or preacher. You miss the time of your preacher because God visits you through an office. But if, so that represents Mary and Joseph. God visited them through a preacher. In that case, it's an angel, but you understand the principle. Now, God is looking for us to be both Anna and Simeon and Mary and Joseph all together, where there is a picking up things by the Spirit because we pray, and there's a visitation from our pastor and from the different offices that stand behind this pulpit that say into us, but also things coming up out of us. There's things coming up, and there's things coming in. There's things coming up by the Holy Ghost, and there's things coming in by the preached Word.
And you'll know things, but you won't know everything. But then when the word is preached, you'll be able to connect the dots and go, oh, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, got it, got it, I understand it now. But most times when I preach, it's just like, huh? 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 Do the thing. Do, come here. Come here, Greg. Because they're getting too serious on me. Do your, the little dog. The thing, hmm? Oh. Hmm? <laughs> What's his oh, name? Scooby-Doo. 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 Do Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when people don't pray, and I'm just preaching, and that rain's falling, but they, they're not spiritual enough, what's what they do in the spirit? Hmm? <laughs> and I'm standing behind the pulpit, and I'm thinking, Scooby-Doo, where are you? I can't seem to find you. I can't find you. You're just looking at me. Huh? Because it's, something's getting through by the preaching, but because you don't pray, nothing is really, it's not connecting. When lightning strikes, I forget the name of it, but there's these certain neuron, neutron thingies, and they go up, they're invisible, and the lightning meets them. There has to be an upward and a downward motion for it to strike. There has to be upward and downward rain for it to accomplish in the flood. There has to be an upward flow and a downward flow in your life. The upward flow is the Anna and Simeon by your prayer. The downward flow is by the preacher and the visitation from God, which is the preacher or the pastor, whoever is speaking to you. And between the downward and the upward, now we got something. Now we got something. But you got to pray, my brothers and sisters. Please don't live your whole life as a Scooby-Doo. Please, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. The second thing, that's the first thing. You better pray. Pick things up in the Spirit. The second thing is when you're praying, it's not just picking things up in the Spirit. You're also praying for the second part, which is the utterances. Because remember, you can't get it all yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't need a preacher. You wouldn't need to be connected if you could get it all on your own. But you'll get a lot by the Anna and Simeon principle, by the upward. But now pray for the downward. Pray, you've got to actually pray for the rain. You've got to pray, give Pastor Craig and the preachers utterance. Give them bold utterance. Let the words from heaven come. And because I've been praying, Lord, I'm ready. I've got bubbling up, but I need to hear those words and I need them said right. I know so I can understand them. And that's what utterance is. It's more than just me having revelation. It's how to say the revelation so that it sticks and it lands and it hits and it impacts. And you are commanded in the New Testament to pray for the spiritual reign of the preacher to fall upon your heart. We talk about pray for rain like revival, but you're actually supposed to pray for the rain of the preacher. Pray for the utterance. The utterance is that rain. If you will pray yourself, category one, and just have that thing coming up on you, you'll be so ready for the preached word. Then don't just stop there and say, Father, I'm praying for utterance. I'm picking some things up, but I need now it articulated. I need now meat to be put on the bone. I got the skeletal, but I need the meat on the bone. I need you to anoint the person behind that pulpit. I need you to anoint Pastor Craig to speak. I need you to give him the words. I need you to give him divine utterance and boldness to speak as he ought to speak. Open doors of words to him, doors of words and utterance that he would not, what I'm already sensing, but that it would connect with me. That when the word, the water comes down, it will meet the water coming up 
and I'll get it and I'll find my spot and I'll find my fit and I will accomplish the plan of God. It's not as important what you do for a living. What matters is the kingdom. That's what you're going to be counted. That's what you're going to be judged for in heaven. They're not, God's not going to ask you how much money you made. Now, if you're a funder and you won't do your job to fund the kingdom, he will ask you. But you notice it's about the kingdom, such as about your salary. He's not interested in your, he wants you to have a nice house. He wants you to drive a nice car. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. We believe in prosperity, but not at the expense of the plan. I'd never believe in prosperity at the expense of the plan. I don't run after prosperity. I run after the plan. I'm after the plan. I've got to fulfill the plan. I've got to fulfill the call. I'm going to be judged on the call. When you get to heaven and you see me and I see you, we're each going to be judged on the call. Not on the car we drove. Get that carnality out of your mind. Believe God for whatever you want. I believe God for the best car on the planet if you want. That's not the point. We preach so much about this private stuff. But people forget that that's not really what it's about. What it's about is the kingdom and the plan that he's doing in the earth. Okay? And if you want to use your faith and get educated and get a good job and use your faith for blessings and prosperity, you'll live easier in the earth. You'll live easier. Money makes things easier. But that doesn't mean you're obeying the plan. That doesn't mean you have rewards because you have the best things in, in the natural realm. What gets you there, do both. You don't have to pick either or. Do both. Believe God for a great life, but make sure you pray. Make sure you're picking it up and make sure you're praying for utterance so that what he won't show you, he'll reveal through the preached word through an office so that you already know some things and now other things are added to it and you go, I see it. But none of this counts if you haven't fought for it. You've got to fight for the, the, the connection here because you've got little devils that are trying to unhitch. Put that up again, brother. You've got little demons here trying to unhitch trying to unhitch that see that tongue there see it's got the red and white there for the reflector you see that that long hitch there's enemies trying to unhook that while you're driving they're secretly on a, on a covert operation trying to unhitch that how does they do it through your mind through your flesh get your mind renewed and your flesh under he doesn't have right if you speak if you keep speaking you keep speaking you keep your heart right you keep confessing he won't unhitch you you got to fight for that. But now once you fought for it, that's not, you haven't graduated. You're just basically in school. You didn't get, you didn't get let go. We're not celebrating because you don't get expelled. Oh, honey, they didn't kick you out. Let's have a party. Oh, honey, you didn't quit. Let's have a party. There's no party because you don't quit. You're just still here. That's a reward in and of itself. What we're trying to do is now get you to graduate. Some people don't even stay in the school. And then they want the party. But there's no party because you didn't quit. It's just expected that you don't quit. Now it's time to pray. Now it's time to pick things up. Now it's time to pray for utterance so that what you don't get, God will put in you by that preached word. And all of a sudden, Jenny, you start to see some things. 
things start to, the, 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 the pistons begin to fire right. Oh, that's what he's talking about. Oh, Holy Ghost, that's what it means. Oh, you gave me a dream. Now I understand really where Pastor's going with this. Oh, my God, I saw myself in that country. I guess that means I'm going to go on a mission trip with them over there. Oh, I'm starting to see my place. Oh, I have a heart to, 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 I have a heart to clean. I, I, I wanted to be on the worship team, but I can't get away from this cleaning thing. Oh, I guess that's where my ministry of helps. That's where my fit is. Because if you're praying, things are going to come up. You're going to pick things up. Praise God. Oh, for a church that would pray. Oh, for a church, Jennifer, that would pray. Real quick, Ephesians 6, because I've got to give them scriptures, Jenny, because, you know, they don't believe me when I say things. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, very quickly in verse 19, and it says, And for me, praying for, for supplications for all the saints, and pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that I might dare and speak boldly as I ought to speak. Yes, and quickly, Colossians, you know these verses, but I'm just giving them for, for, so that you, you know you see them, you let your eyes fall upon them again. Colossians 4, with all, verse 3, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in bonds, that I may make it manifest and aw- as I ought to speak. Manifest means clear. Yeah. That I, my preaching may be clear. Yeah. We don't want preaching where you walk away going, what? Yeah. What? Hmm? <laughs> I mean, you can be praying, so you're not a Scooby-Doo, but if the preaching's not clear, if you don't understand what's being said, because it's all over, you know, some preachers, it's just like they're like a pinball. They start with this, and don't tell me Holy Ghost bunny trails, I'm saying like completely alienating thoughts. They start here, and oh, now we're on the Antichrist, and oh, now we're on healing, and oh, now we're on the Red Sea. And you walk away going, what? There's no cohesive thought process. I love Pastor Nancy because she'll get off by the Holy Ghost, but when she's done, I know what she preached on. And I hope when I'm done, you have some kind of clue. Like if somebody were to say to you an hour from now, what did he preach on? And you don't go, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't know. I don't know what she preached on. Hopefully you'll remember that we're talking about watching. We're talking about praying. We're talking about, hopefully it's clear enough but you, if you pray for utterance to be made manifest, not just boldness, but it to be made manifest, it means the preaching will be clear, it will land right, it will be bold, and exactly what you need to hear, and they need to hear, and the new people need to hear, and the live stream audience needs to hear, they'll hear. But we won't get there with just the preaching. It's going to take praying. It's going to take the water coming up and the water coming down. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Ephesians 4.12, you're already in 4, aren't you? What did I say, Ephesians or Colossians? Colossians now, come on now, don't distract me. Colossians 4.12, come on, Reverend Greg. Come on. Epiphras, who was one of you, Colossians 4.12, a servant of Christ salutes you always laboring fervently for you in prayer. To what end? That you may stand perfect and complete in knowing all the will of God. Are you listening to me? Once you have done your praying for your just praying, seeking God and things are bubbling, move to the next thing. Start to pray for the utterance so that what you need more of will land right in you. And once you've done that, don't stop. Your job's not over. Now move into the epiphras kind of praying where you're not just selfishly asking, but you're saying, now, Lord, for this congregation. 
let this congregation stand perfect and complete knowing the will of God for our church. Lord, let, and then name some people of God, put them in your heart, otherwise make it general. Let this people get it. Let this congregation get it. When he preaches with the utterance that I just prayed for, let it land right in them. Let them know the will of God. Let them be complete in it. Let them stand in it. Let this congregation grab it. Oh, Lord, let them pray like Anna and Simeon. Let them pick things up on their own. You see, you can pray for the people to get these things. Epaphras prayed for the people to know God's will. What is his will? His plan. He prayed that they would know the plan. If this congregation can figure out the plan with me, in unity, all things are possible. You can't stop a church that's in unity. I don't just mean showing up in the same place at the same time. That's not full unity. I'm saying when the vision is cast and you have prayed and it's been bubbling in you and now the preached word, the utterance comes to add to that and the waters come from both directions and you get it and you're in unity with it, the devil's afraid of that. And then you're praying for your brothers and sisters. Help them get it, Lord. You're an epiphras praying for them. Help them get it, Lord. Help them pick it up and help that rain come down from the preach word and help it land right. Oh, I pray for them, Lord, that they would know when you pray and that other people start getting it. And now we're not just showing up in the same place at the same time. That's a measure of unity, but it's not full unity. It's what, what is God is saying is taken by every person and run with. Then we, then we do damage. You're going to help it by praying for the people. I've been praying, I'm talking about praying for yourself. And I'm talking about praying for the people. Don't just pray for yourself, pray for the people. You know there's new believers here in our church? We've got, I won't say names, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but in the last six months, eight months, there's been people that have been saved. And some that haven't been saved, they were saved before, but they've just joined recently. And they're from all different kinds of backgrounds and all different times of hardships in life and all different types of denominations. And some of them don't know hardly anything. And we need to not just pray for us. We need to pray for them. And there's people here that have been saved longer than Methuselah. (laughs) They're on their 970th year because he only lived 969. And they're old and wrinkly. And they've been saved forever. And they just come to church. And they're not getting it. But they're faithful, but they don't get it. And you pray for the new convert, and you pray for the Methuselahs amongst us. Lord, these ones, they're so faithful, but they're not getting it. Let them get it. Are you with me? Pray yourself to pick it up. Pray for utterance, for you to get what you don't get from the Holy Ghost directly. And then pray for the congregation to get it. This is, the anointing is, is speaking through me. This is not me. This is the anointing through me telling you we got to fight for it. And we got to watch for it. Watching in prayer. Are you with me? Say, please, I rebuke Scooby-Doo. I bind Scooby-Doo. It will not be a part of me. Amen. (laughs) Let me go to my last and final point. It's 1140. We're doing good. Can you be patient with me just a couple more minutes? 1140. Oh, that's, that's the time. That's not the reference. Turn with me. I was going to say turn to 1140. No, turn to Isaiah chapter 62. Last point. Hope you're, hope you're catching a little bit. Yes. My brothers, my sisters, pray. Very good. 
I'm pleading with you to pray more. Pray in your private time. Pray in your car. Pray in your shower. Pray with your wife. Pray by yourself. Pray at work on your breaks. Get into a lifestyle and a habit of seeking God. And it might seem like you're not getting much at the beginning. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in English. Pray the Word. There's lots of kinds of prayer. Learn it. I did a Bible school course in all nine. Get it. Learn it. Pray. If you'll spend time seeking God, what God is saying for this era will start to come up on the inside of you. And make my preaching that much easier. Because I'm not trying to convince you. I'm confirming to you. You already know it because you've been praying. Do you understand? Now the word just goes, oh, that's it. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. I already picked it up, but now now I get it. Amen, preacher. Oh, God, help them to get it. Oh, God, help that Methuselah to get it. Oh, God, help that rookie to get it. You're praying for them like Epaphras. That's how we're going to take this. How we're going to do this as we go ahead. We got to do this, brothers and sisters. We got to be together on this. I think some people, Reverend Dan, think unity is just, well, I show up at 10 o'clock, not in my underwear. Then I'm in unity. Well, it's thank you for dressing and thank you for showing up in the right place, 140 Capitol Court, or on your couch in front of your screen. Thank you. But that is the lowest form of unity. Who cares about us all being here if we're all distracted, thinking about lunch, offended with this, eyeing that person? OMG, did you see what she's wearing? OMG. Amen, amen, preacher. Oh my God, she's so ugly. But people do this. You think you're in unity because you showed up, but you're talking about people, you're, you're offended with people, you're distracted in the sermon. And then when the vision goes, it's like, oh, he just wants my money. Yeah, that's, all, that's right, that's right, that's all I want. Right. Idiot. Idiots. Idiots. People that think that are idiots. And I'm allowed to say it because Dr. Dufresne said it, so back off. You, it's sinners that think that way, not believers. If you think that way, you obviously don't know anything about what we're doing or what we're, what we're about. You know nothing about it. We're not after your money. We're after the kingdom. But I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, to do what we need to do in the Philippines, to do what we need to do in Africa, to do what we need to do in Inverness and in the indigenous peoples up north, to do these things... They don't just roll out the red carpet and say, oh, please, let us pay for everything. If anything, they try to stop you. It takes money. But money is for the vision. And money is not for private get-rich schemes. It's for the vision. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Isaiah 62, verse 6. Isaiah 62. You got just a little bit longer. You're okay? Almost done? Almost done. You're hopefully remembering what we're talking about. Isaiah 62 and verse 6 and 7. I have set watchmen. This is where the the name of the sermon came from, this scripture. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. That means they're talking constantly. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give the Lord no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now that's the King James, but I got to read that to you from a couple other translations because it's even better in other translations. Let me hear from the Amplified. I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night, you who are his servants, and by your prayers. Watchmen always are in first prayer and calling and speaking. 
and, you, and, his serve, and by your prayers you put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Do not keep silence. And give God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise in the earth. Now, a couple more. Let me read it to you from the message. I have posted watchmen's, uh, watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. Day and night they keep it praying and calling. Reminding God to remember. Reminding God to remember. You say, but God doesn't need to be reminded. No, he knows everything, but he only, act, he only, his power is only released and manifested when people put a demand on it. It's not that he forgot, it's that he needs us to remind him and put a demand on it. Release our faith for it. Then he can do what he wants to do in the earth. I like this, Jenny. I posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. Day and night, they keep it praying and calling out, reminding God to remember. They are to give him no peace until he does what he said. Until he makes Jerusalem famous as the city of praise. Now don't get mixed up with, get thrown with the word Jerusalem. Obviously this is a plea to pray for Jerusalem. But we can take this through the cross into the New Testament and we have a Jerusalem. We are praying for Jerusalem physically, yes. But we have a Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is the ministry that God has planted us in. It is promise of life. You can put promise of life where it says Jerusalem. It's our place where God called us. God called them to them that back there. God's called us here today. The principle is very important. God has put watchmen. And you're supposed to do something day Listen, the vision won't come to pass if people don't do this day and night. And what are they doing day and night? They're praying. And what are they doing? They're praying and they're calling out. They're calling out. They're calling out. And they're saying, God, remember. We remind you. Remember what you said to the pastor. That's powerful, Jenny. That is powerful. I give you no peace. Remember Jesus said, the unjust judge? You just keep knocking. He'll answer eventually. He's not unjust. How much more with God who's not unjust should we constantly pray and call? Remember what you said. I will give you no peace until you've done what you promised. Do you see this? Now, how can you do this if you don't even know what he's promised? You've got to be praying so you pick it up. You've got to be present so that it's preached and you go, oh, yes, yes, I get it. Now that you know what God's plan is, what he's promised, where we're going, now very important part of watching is not just the internal thing of getting it. It's the, it's the important aspect and the, and the process of reminding God of what you've got. I see it, Lord. That's mine. I see it. I see the preaching. I know what you're saying. I can see the vision. I'm with the vision. I'm in unity with the vision. Now, Father, I stand upon a wall. I am a watchman of a promise of life and the vision. Pastor said that anybody that gets it can be this, and I'm one. I call to you. Day and night, I remind you. I pray, and I call, and I say, Father, I'll give you no rest until you do what you promised. You told us 
that a mentor was coming and it's come and that we would have revival in this city. For doctors said, God's been endeavoring to do something in this city for a long time. Now, Lord, that mantle came, and he paid the price for it, and we've paid the price for it, and it's ours. I remind you of your promise. I won't let you go until you do what you promised us. You said you would move in this city, and I'm telling you that, Lord, we're holding you to that promise. You see people that get a little bit of, mm, the Jews call it chutzpah. Get a little bit of gumption. Get a little bit of aggression. Get a little bit of good arrogance. Get a little bit of, I'm not quitting. I remind you. I hold you to it. You promised us the Philippines. I hold you to it. My brothers and sisters, if you'll do that, the vision will surge, surge forward. It will surge forward. But I find that sometimes I'm the only one calling. I'm the only one reminding God. Lord, you, you promised this. What about if hundreds of people got this in their hearts and started to say, God, don't forget what you promised. I call to you. I'm I'm reminding you day and night. I watch over this vision to make it come to pass. Do you see this? Is it just me, Jenny? I don't know if people really get what I'm saying. If they understand that this this is something very, very holy and precious. Your responsibility in this church is far beyond what you can imagine. And don't buy into the lie because, well, nobody sees me and I don't have a title and I'm not a department head and I'm not a leader. Maybe I don't matter. You matter immensely. There is not a select group of watchmen. Any person from the least to the greatest, from the beard of Aaron to the outer garment skirt, any person that gets, that gets this vision is a watchman upon the wall. And you are to not hold your peace and keep silent. You are to cry aloud, pray and call and remind him day and night, I hold you to what you said. You must make it come to pass. When there is a call to God like that, he hears and he answers. Are you with me? Oh, praise God. Let me read it from a couple more and then we'll close. The Good News translation. On your walls, Jerusalem, I've placed centuries like soldiers in the spirit. They must never be silent day or night. They must remind the Lord of his promises and never let God forget them. They must give God no rest until he restores Jerusalem or fulfills his plan for Jerusalem. I'm going to give you no rest till you fulfill your plan for this church. You know why, Happy? Because I didn't come up with the plan. I didn't even want to be here. I'm in the wrong country, and I'm in the wrong office. I'm supposed to be in Africa. (laughs) Are you understand what I'm saying? I didn't ask for this. I don't want this in the flesh, but I want it because he put the desire in me for it. But I'm not some kind of manipulative businessman that's scheming. I don't really want to do a job, so I think I'm going to come up with something called the calling and make up an office and lie to people and steal their money so that I can be lazy and sit at home like a fat cat eating Cheetos. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. I wanted to work with animals. And then when he said no to animals, I said, okay, fine, I'll work with people, but I'm, I want to do this with people. I want to arrest them as a police officer. Then he said, but you have to help them. I'll be a police officer, psychiatrist. 
And he said, I'm going to call you to be a preacher. Okay, fine. I accepted that. Well, you're going to do it in Africa, Africa, right? I mean, obviously, Africa, right? No, Canada. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. No. Okay, fine. I'll travel. You're going to find a church. Oh, no, 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 no. That's where I draw the line. It took me months, months, and months. Fine. Which church do I take over? You're going to plant one from nothing. Ah, ah. And then I passed out. I'm so stressed. I just passed out on the grass. I just passed out on the grass. When I came to, there was no angels. There was no birds. There was ants on me. Where am I? I said, you're going to pastor. You're going to pastor in Canada in the snow. And you're going to pastor from nothing. And you're going to like it. It took me a lot. Jenny knows. Can I tell you one thing? We've only almost been divorced once in our life. It's the truth. And it was over this. Because I said to her, I'm going to be a traveling preacher in the jungles of Peru. And if you want to come, then come. And if you don't, don't. But I'm going. And she said, if you go, I'll divorce you. And I said, try it. That's the only time we ever got divorced was about the plan of God. No, I'm serious. I'm not joking you. I'm serious. But why are you laughing? It's not a funny thing. I didn't say, I didn't say we got divorced. Well, I didn't mean it. You know what I mean. The only time we could have got divorced was over the plan of God. I'm telling you. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I didn't want this. Did you hear me say it again? I didn't want this. There's not some manipulative tactic. I didn't want this. And I think God has such a sense of humor. I think he did all this stuff because he knew I didn't want it. So I could, I could never try to ever take credit for anything because he knows that I didn't want nothing. And so I yielded and I planted the church in Canada from nothing. And from the time I yielded my heart, before we even started the church, he put a divine love in me, a divine desire for it. And I can't believe how much I've enjoyed this ride to the point that I'm so content and satisfied and happy. I don't ever want to do anything else. And then just when I got to the place of saying, I don't want to do anything else, he said, you need to go and travel and I said no I'm not doing it he said Africa I said you lost your chance Lord I I was I was fighting for it and you told me no you missed the boat I've learned Sandy don't tell God he missed the boat because what you were doing is trying to get on the boat you know there's multiple boats I was getting on the one that left too early he wanted me to stay put for a while. Then another boat came and he says, Are you gonna go? I don't want now I don't want it anymore. You should have taken me when I wanted it. But I don't want it anymore. I don't want to travel. I've traveled. I don't like it. I don't like the hotels. I don't like the clerks. I don't like the the planes. I don't like all their rules. And now with COVID, I like it even less. I don't like all that nonsense. I like my congregation. I like the way they have a heart for God. That's all I want. And I really mean it. It's all 
I want. And then just when I'm right at the place where I feel like I've got it figured out, finally, I've accepted the call and I am happy. And he says, okay, time to change. <laughs> Pastor second, apostle first, you're going to plant works. What? <laughs> One church from scratch isn't enough? Now you want me to go to plant from scratches in other countries? Lord, give me a royal break. <laughs> and I feel that more than you think. But when the mantle came and the anointing came and I yielded and I said, yes. So I got to yield to the pastor. I got to yield to this. And then he put a desire in me for it. And now I am so content and so happy with where we're going. Listen, if you'll just yield, he'll help you. But my brothers and sisters, why am I talking about this? I can't do this thing on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not anointed enough. My office, as, as large as that office is, cannot fulfill the plan on its own. Otherwise, why do we need a body if the one guy can do everything? I need a team. I need help. I need people that are praying, that say, oh, I, I'm picking something up. And then the preaching goes, oh, yes, yes, I got it. Lord, help him. You pray the epiphash prayers. And now that you've got it, now that you see it, now you start bombarding heaven for it. Yeah. Father, I remind you, I remind you, you've promised something. I won't let it go until it comes to pass. Amen. This is called watching for the plan. Yeah. Do you actually watch for it with me? Because I know most of you don't. I know most of you don't. I know it by the Spirit. Not that I'm mad at you. You just don't know. People don't do things, Blair, if they don't know. Some people, when they know and they still don't do it, then God gets angry with them. But most people, they'll do it. They just don't know to do it. Now, once you tell them, then they go, that's my job. That's your job is to be a watchman. Then they go, I, okay, no problem. I got it. Most people have a good heart. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then they're driving to work. Father, I call. I call for the 40000 a week that we need. Father, we call for it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. I just, I'm reminding you. I'm, I'm reminding you of what you said. You said there'd be a glory center. I'm, I'm just holding. I'm holding you to it, Lord. I'm holding. I'm, I'm calling day and night for it. It will surely come to pass. All that five million that we need, it's all coming. It's all coming. It's all coming. I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. It's mine. I'm part of this vision. It's mine. Now, Taylor, if we get hundreds of people doing that, the vision will surge forward. If we just get a couple people doing that, the visual vision trickles forward. That's the difference. And the last scripture in the New Living, O oh, Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls that will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord, and give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. Do you understand what, what God is saying here? He's given us, puny little us, a divine privilege to tell him, and bug him and call to him and demand of him and say, I'm not quitting until you do this. Yes. Toronto needs this. Yes. We need the glory. We need miracles, Blair. We need people to see that God is really God. Not the way these secret sensitive churches present him. Not the way other religions present him. Not the way the Catholics present him. And I'm not against anybody. I'm just saying we need God the way the book of Acts presents him. We need it in Toronto. We need it more than ever. We need it in these nations. There's so many nations that need help. If we were just going to everywhere that needs help, we'd be like a chicken with our head cut off running around. But I've learned long ago, when I went to Haiti, remember Taylor? 
And God said, get up. And I went up to the rooftop. We had a whole team. And I prayed. And I'm telling you, I had a, I'll never forget that to this day. God showed up on that rooftop. And he, he scared me. I mean, and that was a good scare. He scared me. And he told me, he said, don't you ever do this again. Because I was called to go to Dominican Republic. And I added Haiti without him telling me because of the great need. And he said to me, I am highly displeased that you are in this nation. And all your little do-good or works that you're doing amounts to nothing because I have not asked you to be here. And you have opened the door to the devil. And he said to me, there was an attack to kill me. There was a strategy to kill me on that trip. And he said, I am restraining the power of hell. And if you know anything about Haiti, it is brimming with witchcraft. He said, there are strategies in place to destroy you. I am restraining them out of mercy one time and one time only. If you ever do this again, you will die. They'll kill you. You come to a place because of its need instead of a place because I've instructed. And I've had 26, 27 countries ask me to come preach. Iran, Iraq, Syria, places all over the world. And every time I don't go by their need, I pray and I say, Lord, have you asked me to go? And if he says no, it doesn't matter how much need they have. The answer is no. So I'm not trying to pick places out of a hat because I like it. God authored and said, Africa, Philippines, Dominica, Inverness, First Nations, Toronto, a Portuguese church, Delaware. He's authoring these things. I'm not, there's so much I could do. There's so much I'm asked to do, and I turn it all down. I'm not looking because I'm, I'm desperate. I'm doing these things because God breathed it. So when you bombard heaven, you need to say, Father, you have promised a revival in the Philippines. I hold you to account. I won't let it go until we see that revival. I won't let it go till the glory center is filled. I won't let it go till we see that new building. I won't let it go until we've seen the vision come to pass. But you see, I can't only do it, my brothers and sisters. I need your help. And that's why God said, put, put, a, put four sermons together. And he gave me the titles and he gave me the basic points. And he said, put these and preach these to the people because the people have got to fight for this lest the devil separate them. And if, they've, and if they're planted, they've got to pray. They've got to ask for the divine utterance of preaching so that up and down it fits. They've got to pray for the people because not everybody's doing that. And they've got to bombard heaven and say, Father, you're going to do this. Not because we're telling you what to do. We're not, we're not stupid. We know you're God. But you promised. Well, you didn't, you, Pastor Craig didn't conjure this. He didn't even want to do it. You said it. You asked him. He doesn't even want to do anything that you want to do. You can say, Father, my pastor is the most stubborn person on the planet. He doesn't want to do anything that you've asked him to do, but he's yielded. And he didn't come up with anything of this. You authored it. And because it came from you and not from him, I hold you to keep your word. Are you with me? Will you do this with me? Do you remember the Bible says if you decree a thing? If you decree a thing... Job 22, 28, it shall be established according to your word. Do you remember Isaiah 55, 11? My word will not return to me void. If it doesn't return, it's void. But if you talk it back, 
and return it back. You said the vision, I hold you to it. You said the vision, I hold you to it. If you return it, it cannot be void. It's only void if you don't remind him. If he says, I want a glory center, and you never talk to him about it again, that can be lost. But if you say, I return your promise, I return your vision, I return what you plan that you put in his heart, I return it, Lord, it cannot come back empty to him. The Bible says he must establish what he has said and accomplish what he has promised. But you've got to return it. You've got to decree it. Hallelujah. I've preached like a banshee. Glory to God. Calling those things that be not. I'll end with this example. Pastor Nancy told me a little while ago. There was a pastor that she loves. And he started complaining. Oh, all these problems, all these problems, all these problems. And she got in the spirit. And she's talking to that pastor real direct. She doesn't always do that, but she got real direct with this one. And I want to quote you what she said. She said, <laughs> she said, Pastor, the reason you've got problems it's because you haven't been calling for things. You got comfortable and never called for these things in advance. And now that you need the things to show up, they're not because you didn't call for them. You don't wait to till the, till the moment to start calling. You call in advance. You call in advance so it has time to come. You don't wait until we're signing the papers for the glory center. You start calling the money in now. You start calling the property in now. Do you understand? And I need wisdom. Because there's already things beginning to bubble. There's people that want to give us land. There's people that want us to build a building on free land from scratch. But it's outside Mississauga. And I don't know if that's what God wants. Because he's always talked to me about Mississauga. And then there's other buildings in Mississauga that are not exactly what I thought, but they're a lot more expensive. And other ones that are not exactly what I thought, but they're cheaper. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But I don't have to be concerned because he told me there's not until 24, 25. So I've got some time. But what I'm saying is the more you call and the more you pray, the more clarity, the more wisdom, the more we know. I don't want to pick the wrong building. I don't want to pick the wrong address. I don't want to pick the wrong place. I don't want to build for the sake of building because some architect tells me it's best to build. I want to exactly what God wants. If he wants us to build from scratch, we'll build from scratch. If he wants us to take over a big box, you know, these big warehouse boxes and make it into a sanctuary, then that's what we'll do. But I need to know. Part of your calling is, Lord, let it come to pass and show him what to do. Show him what to do. Show him what to do. Hallelujah. Pastor Nancy says, she says, Lord, when you call, she says, let me give you an example. She says, Lord, it must be your plan. We hook up our faith with your plan. We agree with your plan. We call for your plan. We won't settle for anything less than your plan. And we won't accept anything other than your plan. It's got to be your plan. We're fighting for your plan. We're calling for your plan. We're decreeing your plan. You promise something, make it good. I will be on the wall, Father, day and night. And I will never lower my voice. I will remind you till my dying breath. I'm planted in this church and you promise something. Make it good. Speak to the pastor. Bring the millionaires. Bind the devil. It must come to pass. But you see, that's what God's looking for, Wayne. People with that kind of fury. 
fury, not, not all the energy offended with each other. And doing this natural thing and doing that natural thing. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to break the $300,000 a year cap. Break it, but for goodness sakes, get into the plan of God for the kingdom. I'm serious about that. You can tell I'm, I'm, very, I'm very committed. I'm very intense. I've, 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 I don't play poker, but I've seen people play poker like Reverend Greg. You know, he plays poker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Don't get offended. But, but, but anyway, he used to in his old life. Praise God. But anyway, and he says, they say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I feel like I'm all in on this. There's nowhere else for me to go. There's nowhere else for me to go. I'm all in on this. I'm too old to go back to school. I can't go get another job. Not that I want to, not that I will, but I'm just saying, it's not like I have other options and I don't need other options. I'm committed to the plan. I'm all in, Jenny. I'm all in. I'm standing on a wall and every day I remind God of his promise. He is going to make good. He's going to fulfill his promise for this church and for this city and for the countries he's asked us to go to. And I am calling to him every day and saying, Father, don't forget your promise to me. Your prophet... Your prophet started this. Your prophet said, I see a mantle coming from heaven. It wasn't me, it was that prophet. I remind you of what your prophet said. That's what I do, Greg. I'm on that wall. Sometimes I feel I'm the only one on that wall. And I'm looking around for help because my voice is getting hoarse. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? Where, where, where's, my, where's my callers? I need somebody. Oh, there's some staff members, thank God. Oh. There's that little old lady that nobody even notices in the church because she's so quiet. But oh my God, listen to her call. He said, there's people calling that we don't know and you would never guess them by looking at them because they're not very like this naturally. But you put them in the prayer closet, they storm heaven. Anybody can climb that wall with me. Climb that wall with me, brothers and sisters. I plead with you, climb the wall with me. And look out and say, Father, I remind you of what you promised. You must make it good. We are praying the people get it. I'm praying and the preaching causes it to snap, strike like a lightning bolt in my heart. But Lord, I, I don't just need that. I need all my brothers and sisters to get it. Pray that they would get it, Epiphras. And now, Lord, we remind you. Now that we've got it, now we fought, we're connected, we, we know we're praying, it's, it, it makes sense, the, the plan is coming to pass. Our brothers and sisters around us are getting it. Now, Father, we call for it. We call for it. I will not let this go. Can you sense that anointing? Can you sense what the Spirit of God is? As he's asking you through me to do this. He wants his plan to come to pass more than we do. You know why? Because he sees the sinners that are going to get saved. He sees the miracles that are going to rock. William Branham said, and I'll close with this, he said, in that last day, the television cameras will come and their watch arms grow out. He said that. He said, the preacher will preach on live television and he'll disappear and be found in another country by translation. He said that will happen in the last days. All their little nonsense, little woo-woo, voodoo doll tricks, Chris Angel with his levitating and all that nonsense. Wait till the ministers start disappearing on live television and be found in India. Wait till arms, wait till there's no eyeball and they put their hand, and they take their hand, and a new eyeball appears. Wait to see what medical science says then. Wait to see what the naysayers say then. I'm telling you. 
This is power that we've never seen before, and it's coming. And God's looking for people to call for it. Because He can only bring it to pass when His people release faith. When they release faith, He manifests. When they release faith by their calling, He manifests. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I bless you, Father, for this anointing today. I thank you for every part of the service, from the offering, which was powerful. My wife preached about calling. Father, you knew that that's where we were going today. Father, with the worship, which was so wonderful. And Father, I thank you for this message that you have authored. Let, I'm looking for watchmen to stand with me. Lord, let those that hear the call stand up and fight with me and not quit. We fight for the plan and we watch for the plan. In Jesus' name, amen.